Welcome to the World of Positivists, where we talk to positive advocates around the world. Today, we are connecting with Black Phoenix Alchemy Labs Marketing and Relationships Manager, Tom Blunt. For six years now, Tom Blunt has been at Black Phoenix Alchemy Labs Resident Marketing and Relationships Manager. In this role, they have built partnerships and collaborations with artists in fields as diverse as literature, film, fine arts, comics, drag, pro wrestling, and even tabletop gaming. A resident of New York City for 14 years, where he now works in Los Angeles full-time at the lab, Tom's professional background includes theater, nightlife, and writing. So, join me as we explore Tom Blunt's journey as he ventured through different career paths, one working at AMC as a writer, his mental health background, and his love for gothic culture. Thank you so much, Tom. We're super excited to have you today. Hello, everybody. Today I have Tom Blunt from Black Phoenix Alchemy Lab, or BPAL. Um, so we're going to talk about the brand, what he does, and what um, that company represents, and we're super excited. We're Positive Eyes Magazine, and this is the World of Positivist podcast, and we're super excited to have Tom today. Tom, tell us about yourself. Oh, thank you, Thane. Um well, uh, so as you said, I work for Black Phoenix Alchemy Lab, which is an indie perfumer based in Los Angeles that is about to celebrate its 18th anniversary. That is a very long time for a small business to stay open. Yeah. And um, I am not, you know, the founder of the company. Um, it was founded by Elizabeth Burial, and she and um, her close friend Brian Constantine and her husband Ted Burial are basically the heart and soul of this company and the ones who started it. And then I joined the team about five or six years ago. And uh, my and it's it's just I've kind of got I I basically ran off with like the goth perfume circus, you know, and. Uh, <laughs> Ever since then, you know, that I, mo I moved from New York to LA in order to take on this job. And uh, the, the perfumery has a huge um, clientele going way back of people who are obsessive collectors and fans and they love Elizabeth and they love the family. And I'm just kind of, uh, you know, along, along for the ride. So um, I grew up in a tiny town in Arizona and ran away from there as soon as I could. And I lived in New York City for about 14 years and where I worked as a writer and I tried, you know, to be an artist and worked, a, oh, just a variety of bizarre jobs. And then never really quite knew where life was going to take me because, you know, if anyone who is following their dreams, you just do what you need to do to get by while you're working on various uh, hustles and plans. And now that I've been out here for five years, I was just telling my partner recently, I realized that this is, I think, the longest I've job I've had in my adult life, the five or six years that I've been working for BPAL. So, and of course, now that the pandemic is here, everything is very different for you know me and my job and the company and small businesses everywhere, um, but, but you know I guess you could say we are just trying to stay positive. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> perfect. Um, wow. <laughs> so I guess my 
Wow. So my first question is, or my next question is probably on about small businesses. How has COVID-19 changed the small business world and how has it changed BPAL and how is BPAL staying positive during these times, especially when sales may be down or everything's been changing? Yeah. As, as, as some of you out there may know, uh, I think the stats were something like one in five small businesses has already closed since the pandemic hit uh, with more closing all the time. And uh, it's, when this first started, I wasn't sure if we would be able to stay open at all. There was no certainty, especially once the postal system was uh, being threatened. We, that's our main way of delivering to customers. And the other services, you know, like FedEx and UPS, et cetera, are much more costly and it would have like uh, dramatically affected sales. So for, we were taking it just week by week. And unfortunately for us, we had to, uh, we had to release our production staff, uh, the people on premises who, who are responsible for pouring and bottling and labeling and shipping um, because of California's, I mean, for, you know, for everyone's safety, of course, but the laws, we were non-essential business. And so the laws forbid us from requiring people to come to work, even if we wanted to. So. Yeah. Since then, the core group of remaining people in the company have been doing all of the work. And since I don't work on premises and since I so much of my work is online and generating sales, um, I was protected. And in the meantime, now, um, you know, I'm bottling and pouring <laughs> and labeling perfume bottles, uh, you know, with everybody else. It's, it's, it's completely upended everything. And to be honest, when you've got just a handful of people doing the jobs of what would have been, you know, several more people, in addition to everything else that comes up, it's been very, very, very difficult. And our fans have been wonderful and sales, you know, have been stable enough for us to continue. But the variables, like we source ingredients from all around the world in order to make our products. And sometimes that's now not possible or shipping, as everyone knows, the you, is much more unreliable and just like everywhere there could be a kink in the hose, there is one. And so we're just kind of going along and seeing how well we can manage. And so far, you know, I mean, we're still here and that's, I think, you know, my lucky stars for that every day. Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's unfortunate and sad that, you know, a lot of businesses or small businesses are, I've had to close down, especially for people who, you know, have been working their whole lives to create their small business. And I think it's really sad. And so I hope those people can, you know, find joy again and maybe not doing their business, but what they love and hopefully they can still find that. Um, yeah. So perfect. Um, so my next question is, tell us like how you got involved in BPAL um, to begin with. Like you said, it's your, it's the longest job you've probably been in. Uh, how'd you even discover it? And um, why did you uh, like apply or, you know, go for it? Well, I, I have to tell you, Zane, there's a, there's a warning in here for you because I started out uh, because I interviewed the founder of the company, Elizabeth Burial. Um, I was uh, I, I was working for a AMC TV back in the day as a writer for one of their horror blogs. And oh, I wow. <laughs> had heard about this company and I, I wanted to try their sense and I was so inspired by the idea of drawing from Gothic horror and all of these yeah. various works of Gothic artwork 
So I set up an interview with the founder, Elizabeth, and I interviewed her. It went very well. Um, we had a great time. And then later on, I had an opportunity. They came to New York Comic Con because the lab uh, does the circuit of various comic book conventions and they happened to come to New York and I, you know, scammed my way into the convention so that I could go say hi in person and we hit it off and had a lovely visit. And then the next time they came to New York, uh, I actually got, you know, I reached out again and got roped into helping them at the booth, you know, actually sell because they're LA based and they don't have as many contacts on the East Coast or people that could help out. And I exist and, you know, they liked me well enough and trusted me. So I got to help at the event. And after I had done that, it went really well. And they said, you know, it's a shame we can't take you with us to more conventions. And I said, ah, uh, but you can. So I then went, I think, and worked Chicago C2E2 with them and Dragon Con. And it just got to be my thing for a while that I would fly to whatever city they were vending at and help them at the booth and made friends with them. And then I came out to Los Angeles and got to actually visit and hang out with them. And we just became friends. And it was really lovely. Uh, it was a great like working friendship. And at some point in, I want to say 2014, um, I started to, I'm trying to remember exactly what kicked it off. It was around when they did perfumes for the movie Crimson Peak, the Guillermo del Toro movie that was coming out. And I know that they were really swamped and overwhelmed with a lot of stuff. And I offered to help. Uh, I was, you know, working as a writer in New York and, and hosting variety shows and doing a lot of promo stuff on my own. And I said, you know, I think I could help you. And I helped with the publicity for Crimson Peak. And then that led to me taking on some of their social media stuff. And at some point, Elizabeth said, you know, if you ever want to come to LA, I think that there would be a job here, you know, like we could work out some more established position. And at the time, I thought that sounded impossible because one of the things about New York is when you live there, you can't even fathom leaving because you can't afford to leave. <laughs> um, but at some point, it just sunk in that, you know, it, that was like the best opportunity, I think, anything, the best offer anyone had ever made me. And so I rearranged things and came out here and, you know, gradually became a full-time employee and helped out with events and you know, um, Elizabeth is the the brains and the nose behind the organization. The perfumes are her creation, um, but I get to help out a lot. Um, there's a lot I can do in terms of writing and um, kicking around ideas and some product development. And and then especially when it comes to, you know, media, we've, you know, launched our YouTube channel and we create as much, you know, cool, interesting artwork ourselves as we can, just because it's the best way of representing what we're all about. You know, so it was, I just became fresh horses for them, uh, but it did all start with an interview. So, you know, you, when you reach out to interview someone, you never really know what could happen. Yeah. It's been interesting, the people that we've been connected to and, you know, what they're doing with their lives and the opportunities it opens for people. And so that's going to be really exciting. Maybe it'll, it'll get me a job one day. I'm just kidding. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> No, but I think um, it's really great what you're saying because a lot of people, you know, don't think of it that way. But yeah, you can get a job um, 
for just volunteering and getting your name out there and getting your foot in the door. That's really where it starts. I know a lot of people, <laughs> you know, like some people want to go straight into position, but sometimes, just, sometimes you have to do like the hard work and kind of just get your foot in the door. And so it's actually really exciting that, that you made that happen. And so what, well, I'm curious about your, your previous job. Tell me all about um, the AMC TV being a, or a blog writer. That sounds really cool. <laughs> it was kind of my first step into really, I, when I moved to New York, I got a, an, in, an internship unpaid at a small indie publisher. And I was like trying to find a foothold as a writer somewhere. And it didn't really happen for some time. And I, you know, just worked jobs and was useful wherever I could. I did some substitute teaching a little bit for a while. I, really didn't know I mean I was you know again a small town kid in the big city really just trying to see what was even possible and um, when I first got hooked up with AMC I think it was just through a mutual friend who you know knew an editor who had moved over there to help them launch some blogs AMC at the time this was like right when Mad Men was even first starting they were not really on the map and so they were kind of exploring you know, a lot of media companies at that time were catching up with the idea of like, you know, what what to do with the internet, yeah. how yeah. to make, you know, make it work and support their programming. So I was, you know, I, I masked my inexperience and pitched them some articles and, you know, got things rolling. And it was difficult because there's a real learning curve. I, as someone who has uh, had to deal with depression in my life, um, I was really nervous about the idea of basically working on my own from home. I had only ever had a job where I had a boss and it's not like that had worked out super well for me, but at least there's someone who you're accountable to and yeah. who, you know, makes you do things. So without that, I really didn't know if I, if I could do it. I, I, I had never really, you know, found that out. So I quit my job and started doing this full time. Um, and it was really up and down. I, I did some, I got some incredible interviews and some wonderful opportunities and encouragement along the way. Um, there were some really painful, you know, rites of passage and learning experiences as a freelancer. Um, but it really did set me on my path in terms of the feeling uh, like I actually could make a job from it. And then over the years, I kind of went back and forth. Like I would get a job sometimes if I needed to or whatever. But after that, it, it, from there on, it really was, there was always something going on. And uh, at some point I got hired by Penguin Random House to write for a bunch of their websites and do author interviews and features and literary criticism and all kinds of incredible stuff. And then you know, that sus sustained me for a really long time. So um, now I'm working full time and I do still try to do, I have various writing projects. I have my own personal stuff going on, um, but working for the lab is full time. And that actually is a huge creative outlet for me. So I actually have to remember to set aside time to pursue those alternate things. So it's been a, you know, I, I, it's, I never, I always say if I had no, own where I end, would end up, I would have studied very different things. So <laughs> I'm sure a lot of people are feeling that now, especially because of COVID and the career choices everyone is being forced to consider. You know, it's like maybe ending up somewhere far outside of where you would have expected.
yeah oh my goodness it's like yeah this is so relevant um for me specifically because um you know i had no interest in magazines or a media platform and then when covid hit um uh I, this came about from a class assignment we had to create our own publication and so i created this um but i wanted to do a conspiracy <laughs> theories horror magazine <laughs> but and like a supernatural kind of thing but yeah it had to be completely non-fiction i was like i don't think that's gonna i don't think that's gonna work and so i decided <laughs> to do a magazine about positivity and so that yeah. wasn't really gonna happen without the pandemic it really wouldn't have because i was if it were if things were in person i would still have probably done the assignment but i was focused on other things at the time and so it's you're right it's interesting what can come about because of these circumstances like covid um and some people are you know creating like some of the most amazing things right now so and they never thought they would have so it's interesting how you can transform this you know kind of awful experience into something really interesting you know positivity is an interesting thing to be uh selling during times like these because uh mm -hmm. you know early on i remember with bpal um my boss told me that you know they had during back during like world war ii i think uh and other times of hardship small personal items like makeup and cosmetics um the sales actually were relatively stable i don't have you know like research to back this up this is what i was told that these items uh still sold because even if people were very poor um it was these small things that gave them joy and helped them feel like they were still themselves and brought them some sense of continuity and you know made them feel beautiful and so um you know, I, there are times where it seems really frivolous to try to do what we're doing or just, you know, sell perfume or get people when there's so much to throw money at right now and so many important causes. Um, but like also just investing in small pleasures is something that's like a human tendency that's not going to go away as evidenced by all of the jokes you see everywhere of all the stuff people are kind of like panic buying from the internet just to feel better, you know? people making just like kind of bizarre purchases just to make themselves happy for a moment. And hopefully you actually like, you know, what you got, but it's uh, the, you know, selling positivity is, uh, is actually, or even just, you know, even if it's not for sale, just providing it is, is very important. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, the world is just, you know, so negative and I'm, you know, a lot of bad things are happening. And it's like a lot more amplified because everyone's stuck, kind of stuck at home um, and they have more time to their thoughts. <laughs> so I think if we're in person, maybe a lot of this stuff wouldn't have been thought about as hard as it has. But that's a good thing that, you know, we're thinking more hard about how the world has worked for a long time. And now that the world has totally changed, why can't it change, you know? And so I think there was like a, there used to be like a lot of closed mindedness and like, oh, you know, you, you have to be in the office. You have to be, you know, always present. And now it's like, not really. And I hope that when things reopen again, you still don't expect people to just always drop everything and come to work. Now there's more of an understanding, like you actually have a life and you have kids or you have families you have to take care of. And, you know, mm -hmm. I hope that the workforce does change from this. But I was um, I, I really appreciate that you brought up depression because we always try and aim to talk about mental health because that's always has a lot to do with positivity and has a lot to do with, you know, um, people in general and wellness and health which is really important um and so i'm curious about you know what your experience is if my if i may ask about with depression oh sure um i mean i i grew up in a very small town and it's very midwestern culture 
I feel like if I say I grew up in a small town, like one more time, uh, someone's actually going to show up to carry me away. Um, but like, uh, I, it was an environment and a culture where it's not appropriate to show or feelings or talk about feelings or ask tough questions. And, you know, I am, am a queer person and I was going to face certain challenges anyway, but without the ability to talk about what was happening to me or ask questions about life and count on, you know, knowledgeable um, answers um, or any sense of safety. Like it was looking back, I mean, it was just kind of like it was inevitable for me to go through what I did. So, you know, there was a lot of bullying and a lot of terrible experiences throughout school and not a lot of help to be found anywhere. And you know, kind of miraculously, I managed to stagger through all of that and, you know, gradually found good friends who were a source of support. And then really after high school, I was out on my own and did not enjoy any family support and really had to go into the world and figure out what was possible, you know, for, for me or, or honestly for, for anyone. I just this, you know, I, I graduated high school in 1997. The internet was kind of just becoming a, a thing. And so my resources were kind of limited in terms of what to explore. And in Arizona, where I grew up, I did, you know, have a couple of therapist experiences that kind of went nowhere. No one really, you know, they weren't, I guess, prepared for someone like me. You know, I was just very different. And so moving to New York City helped a lot. Um, and the great thing about New York City is you can be very mentally ill there and hardly anyone notices. Um, that is also one of the drawbacks <laughs> of New York City is that, um, you know, like there, there's just a, there's, there is more support, I suppose, but um, there's, you have to really find a community of people to who, you know, that you're accountable to and and that you feel supported by in order to, I think, even find a lot of the ways to, uh, to, to actually improve yourself. So, you know, throughout my 20s, I really put a bunch of stuff together. And I honestly, moving out to LA has been the hugest help for me. Um, depression is always going to be part of my life in one way or another. Um, it, you know, it can come on as a result of almost anything. I know a lot of people are experiencing it just because of factors, you know, in the world, like related to the pandemic or politics, uh, things that that don't seem like they would affect your day to day life, but actually do completely affect your awareness and the way you see yourself and the way you think other people see you. So um, my whole life is honestly, at this point, ruled by making sure I take care of myself, making sure I'm getting rest and setting myself up for tomorrow in a way where, you know, I won't trip over the more preventable, predictable roadblocks. And that way, if anything does come up and knock me off my perch, like, you know, at least I was as well set up as I possibly could. But like those of us out there who don't have safety nets to fall back on really end up having to look out for ourselves in this way and to get better at taking care of ourselves because, you know, like there's, you just don't have as far back you can slide without things getting uh, really screwed up. So, you know, I'm in a, I'm in, 
in much better shape out here in LA where I have a little more space to myself and have figured out a bunch of stuff and am stably and happily employed. And it's just funny how those very basic things end up playing a huge role in, you know, in someone's mental health. So, and it's very sad when someone is prevented from those things by factors, you know, completely outside of their control. So, you know, it's, it's a, it's just not something I take for granted for sure. Okay. Wow. Great. Thank you for sharing your experience with depression. It's great. I love how, you know, like a lot of interviews that we do, um, people come from all walks of life and mental health is always like the common factor that we talk about. And I never even go to them because it's about mental health. Like I didn't come to you because it's about mental health. And it just shows that it affects so many people all the time. We just society has a huge problem with talking about it. And if we had more of a, if we had, you know, more of space to talk about it. I feel like almost everyone would talk about it <laughs> yeah. um, and maybe some people aren't as affected as they are with depression maybe they just have tendencies of depression but maybe they're not clinically depressed but it's we can all understand where people are coming from because we all experience it we just for some reason try and mask it which um, is very unfortunate yeah it is it's great though because I know um, you know for the in terms of the the lab um, you know our, 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 we can be very real about these things. We don't have to hide from our customers. We can talk about our families. We can talk about our problems. Um, and it's very refreshing, you know? I think, and people are happy to support a small business where they know, like they feel represented in that way. Like, especially in terms of, you know, Gothic art and various horror related things. It's, it's all about mental health stuff. It's all about, you know, this is why, and a lot of people are drawn to those kinds of stories and those aesthetics is because they have pain um, and it's just a way of expressing it or exploring it um, and sharing it safely with other people. Um, and also, and then not taking it so seriously too, which is actually fun because when you know you've got a community of people who all have, you know, who understand that, you can actually find the humor in it. So there's a lot of stuff that we make and share and post that might actually seem kind of horrifying or strange <laughs> to um, to people who haven't had that seen that side of life or who don't think you should talk about those things. But you know, we're we're a small company; we can do whatever we want, and that's the joy of it. Yeah. Oh, perfect. Yeah. So tell me what um, tell me what goth culture is for people who don't know what it is, and then tell people why you personally were you know gravitated towards it. <laughs> sure. Um, what's so funny is, uh, like any subculture, if you try to define it or gatekeep it like too, too finely, um, you're always going to get uh, laments. But, um, you know, goth, like, and then gothic has like a variety of different contexts, because there's like, you know, actual historical gothic art, you know, from it's like an entire period. And then, um, and it's just, but it's basically, uh, you know, a darker aesthetic, um, very morbid, uh, very romantic, um, you know, really wrapped up in the kind of like memento mori idea of just like constant reminders that life is temporary and that death awaits everyone. And of course, there's just like any number of fascinations related to this subculture, you know, you'll find everything like taxidermy to you know different kinds of music to um 
you know, like it's, it's in literature, like it, it's just basically everywhere. And that's why people will argue endlessly about what is goth and what isn't goth. And, uh, you know, we're, we, <laughs> we really don't really get into that, but the, the lab stuff for sure is like more, um, you know, like we, we dig into a little of everything. We dig into like witchcraft and occult traditions and actual Gothic artwork and, um, you know, comic books and all sorts of stuff. Um, and then for me personally, you know, truly, I'll never know if I, if this is something that I really would have gotten into if I wasn't desperately trying to impress other people that I thought were cool, <laughs> you know, like, uh, at the time, it was just, I really liked um, spooky stuff. I liked horror stories. Uh, and I didn't really have a way to express that in my clothing or, you know, my quote unquote lifestyle for a 14 year old growing up in Arizona. But and it was so hot, you couldn't even wear anything particularly impressive. But, um, you know, that was really um, it was definitely on my, you know, teenage mood board. And then um, it just ended up kind of being um, a thing that was always present in my life and like in one way or another. And then, um, you know, when I moved out here, it was really an opportunity to go full tilt with it, like going to conventions. And I suddenly realized I could, pardon me, I could uh, dress up, you know, I could wear the clothes, I could live the life, you know, that. I had I there's a, a a really fabulous gleeful um renunciation of other people's opinions and truly just embracing what you think looks good and you know what's exciting to you so that was I mean you know I was later in life I was in my mid-30s by then but I just don't think I had ever really felt like permission to really open up and run with it um and now that I'm wrapping the company it's like there's almost like something wrong with me if i if i don't run with it so interesting yeah <laughs> that's great yeah it's cool that it's been you know part of your life for such a long time and you know a lot of the times immediately people are going to think oh you know gothic it's it's black it's dark it's you know it's, it's negative what yeah. does it have to do with like our magazine or positivity but i think that <laughs> there is <laughs> but i think like when you what you said you know when you gravitate towards it and it gives you like a sense of comfort and, you know, you're just, just wearing what you want to wear or you're, mm -hmm. you're thinking how you want to think or listening to what you want to listen to. And so, and then when you have like that community of people, there is something super positive about that, especially since you all are exploring the world in your own terms and not how a lot of people are. I think mm -hmm. there's something like, I think that's actually really interesting and worth, ex you know, exploring there. And so I think it is actually a very positive experience. I did think it was really funny. I mean, you know, when Positive Vibes first reached out and I thought it was just, I, the irony was so great to me. I was just like, oh my gosh, uh, this is, this is, this blows my mind. Like, are we doing something wrong? Yes, <laughs> <laughs> this way. But I know, I mean, you know, we, especially in the, in the past four or five years, we've been very, the lab has always been really committed to charity and fundraising and it it is a really joyful community of people who are incredibly smart and passionate and um and just know so much about perfume and about art and there's just so much love there 
And um, I cannot deny that we are as positive and wholesome a tribe of perfume carnies as anyone could hope to meet. So, but yeah. it doesn't mean that, that I'm in a good mood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, and that's the thing that we talk about that too, that, you know, being positive is like, you know, like a way of life, but that doesn't mean that your life is always going to be happy and cheerful. We're not, we're not trying to push that because we know it's not. We know that life is not going to always be the sunshines and unicorns and we're not pushing that on social media and stuff either. We're trying to find ways to just support people like uh, posting about ways to sleep better, looking at ways of what depression looks like. We did a post yesterday on what depression looks like and we had a bunch of people who were, a bunch of pictures of people who were really happy who all died, mm -hmm. who all died by suicide. Mm -hmm. um, but that's the thing. Their energies were usually so positive. You never would have known. So it's like showing you should really always reach out and be kind to people and not take people for granted because you have no idea what they're going through. And so, yeah, it is really interesting. It's um, especially difficult because on, on social media, you know, you only see, you know, one side of things. And during some of the hardest times that I've gone through personally, I, it just, you know, some people have conditions that like may make them end up posting about everything, you know, and actually sharing, you know, I, I know people like that. Um, other people don't share like that. And so things have to be really frightening before I would ever comment about it publicly in front of other people. But what I, what I always worry that that means is that I could basically drown, you know, in plain sight in front of everybody without anyone realizing that anything was wrong. And it has, I have lost people like that. I've, I've lost people to suicide who no one knew anything was wrong, you know? Um, and it's, it's so mystifying in the moment, but then you look at your own life. Like um, I did a thing recently where I went back through all of my Facebook memories and I deleted just tons of stuff that just had no business being preserved forever on the internet. But um, just, you know, every day, every morning over coffee, I would go delete anything that I just didn't think was important to keep there. And it's funny because looking back there, there during times that I know that I was really suffering, there was just really nothing. There was nothing going on, you know, like no one would have known. So um, during the pandemic, I have like, I have withdrawn at times just to cope with stuff, but also I'm trying to, I have my own worry list of people that I'm worried about and checking on, you know, every day or every few days just to, just in case no one else does, you know, but, and this forms a kind of network I know of people who are just perpetually helping each other get to the next moment. Yeah, and I think like, um, you know, like the small things like reaching out to people and just seeing how people are doing and how um, things are going can be can be like a huge thing for some people, mm -hmm. um, especially during, I mean, kind of all the time, but I feel like during these times, it's hard to connect with people and you're just not even around people a lot. So yeah, those little messages that you send or people send is just super important. And I hope that, you know, people can continue to do that because you never know what someone's going through and you can only do your part, man. But if that, that message may change their lives. So mm -hmm. it's interesting. I, and I don't want people to say that they need to always be reaching out, always being a certain way, but just be kind of aware that this could be happening in someone's life. Oh, you know, sure. That you don't need to um, always be reaching out to every single person, you know, that could it be can very also, hard. 
it can almost be worse if you reach out like reflexively, but you with actually no follow through or nothing really behind it. Like, you know, there are times when I've reached out really casually to someone and not realizing how bad it was over there. And then suddenly, you know, they, and they really are grateful for the outreach and need support. And I don't have it, you know, like I didn't realize what I was walking into and, you know, like we, if it's someone, you know, well, like, you know, you are able to navigate those moments or do the best you can. But like, also, I know if someone superficially just reaches out out of obligation, I mean, when you're depressed, you just imagine that's what everyone's doing anyway. You know, no one really cares. No one actually wants to hear it. And uh, it you actually have to work a little, I think, as a friend to overcome that resistance because um, I, you know, obviously there are definitely times when I'm too busy or depressed myself to really get in there with somebody. But by and large, you know, if I'm asking, it's, it's because I do care and I do want to know and I can handle hearing about it. So, um, but what it is funny too, in a community of friends who are all suffering from one form of mental illness or another, it is funny how you have to measure your desire to help people with what you can like honestly, realistically offer, you know, like, uh, and like sometimes that means pulling away for a few days and being like, you know what, like they'll figure it out. <laughs> I have to like, I'm suffering right now, you know, I have to take care of myself. So, and it's like a kind of a weird three legged race, but you're doing it with like, you know, hundreds of people. And I'm very fortunate because during the pandemic, one of the early things that I worried about was that I was going to lose a lot of friends, if not to illness, uh, like COVID, but uh, to mental illness because of the the struggles and especially the economic struggles. And I'm very lucky. And I, you know, I, most of the, you know, I think, I think, I think everyone's still here in my circle. Um, but that's like a perpetual, you know, a perpetual worry because these are the people who weren't doing that well before this happened. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. <laughs> um, great. Um, you know, honestly, uh, that's kind of all the questions I have. Um, so, but my last question will be what I always ask is, do you have any final thoughts that you want to bring up or that you want our audience to learn from you or, you know, the company you work for? Oh boy. Well, um, I will say that, um, that this is a time when family relationships are really strained all over the place for lots of different reasons, even down to the simple stuff like people can't travel to be there with each other um, you know, as a queer person, people always say in, in the community, you know, that, uh, how family is a, is a chosen, is a chosen thing, you know, and that people's family can be entirely made up of people, you know, that they were, are not related to, but a family that you have made. And I do want to say that I have really learned from working for BPAL, you know, this is like a form of family that I hadn't really known before or known was out there. And the way that I have been accepted and included by people, you know, in the, in the, you know, our, among our customers and fans like that has been really wonderful. And when traveling, like the friends that we've made. And so um, I just know that like, there are families out there, you know, who will accept you and 
who will know what to do with you. And uh, even during times like these, when it's not as easy to connect with people, I still see lots of examples of folks like, you know, I've made friends with new people during the pandemic that, you know, I haven't met in person yet and may never meet in person. Um, but it, you know, as, as much as everything has been very disrupted and connections seem difficult, I do think that there are still connections to be found. And I hope people will keep looking even in surprising places, including among, you know, the, uh, <laughs> in like the indie perfume community, which has been like opened up to me this year as like a huge sort of little pocket universe of interesting people and exciting creative projects. So there's just always more than you could ever think of on your own. And I guess that's, that's what I've got for you. Oh, no, I love it. Thank you. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Tom. It was so great, um, you know, meeting with you and learning about what you do and your company. And if you ever need anything from us, please let us know. Oh, of course. Thanks, Dave. This has been really great. Thank you so much, Tom Blunt, for coming on our podcast episode today. It was amazing talking with you. I commend you on being vulnerable about talking about your mental health. And you seem to be doing an amazing job at Black Phoenix Alchemy Lab. Please check out Black Phoenix Alchemy Lab's website and check out the amazing products that they have that you can buy today. Thank you so much again, Tom, and good luck to you. We're super excited for you.